Inside the IC is sponsored by Microsoft Federal, the choice for classified missions. Welcome to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal on Federal News Network. Now your host, Justin Doubleday. My guest today is Chris Rasmussen, Program Manager for the Terraline Project at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Chris, it's uh, great to have you in the studio. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, congratulations on winning the OSINT Foundation's inaugural OSINT Unit of the Year Award that just happened. So that's pretty cool. First one. Yeah, that was really cool. What makes that really cool, it, it's a group of pract- OSINT practitioners, right? And, and right. to have kind of uh, the voting, if you will, of people that are pleased with the content on Terraline, uh, it's, a, it's a group of practitioners that do it every day that are on keyboard. So that was really cool to receive that um, recognition from that you know, people that are doing it every day. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I'd love just to start, can you give us an overview of what TerraLine is? So uh, TerraLine is a analytic outreach effort and it's a public project. So we partner with nonprofits. So uh, universities, think tanks, NGOs, non-governmental organizations to create public facing open content of mutual benefit. That's beneficial to NGA and internal to the government and other intelligence agencies and other federal agencies, but also a benefit to the partner. They get their name and publication credit in that space. So how we pick the topics is pretty interesting. We prefer that the partner offer the first volley when we're trying to agree on a question. Why? Is because they're putting the, the most of the original labor, the research labor, is coming from the partner. So NJ does, will pay for commercial imagery, and we'll get into that, and we kind of help and provide kind of geoint consulting services. But think about Terraline more as like an NJ-sponsored journal, right? So the labor is coming to the, to the journal. And when that's the case, you want people to have passion about it. That's what drives the research. NJ can assign questions, but we find it to be more valuable when the first volley or proposal is made by the partner, and then NGA will tweak it a little bit to get niche for NGA or partial value for NGA. And why I say partial is because these are volunteers. These are not employees. So you can, you know, you're not going to get the exact report. So if you get new insight that's 60%, that's a great metric. That's why I use the word partial because they are volunteers. So generally they'll come to us with about a one sentence idea that they have. NJ may tweak three words to get value. And so what we're trying to do is balance, is it unique internally to the IC and to NJ? And it is also unique in the trade space online, right? Of how many people have published about this. We don't want to chase the soccer ball on an external thing when a million websites have have covered the topic. We want an original research value externally, and the authors want their name on that. That's something that's new and original. So say if a school proposed, we want to look at Chinese hydro investments in Vietnam. NG might tweak that and go, hey, we're a little oversubscribed on Vietnam. How about Cambodia? But they still get the overall topic. So there's just a little bit of, of, of trimming that happens to agree on the question. So that's kind of how the flow of the questions work out. But we want that passion involved rather than assigned kind of questions. And sometimes you, you hit with an assigned question. But when they're on keyboard, you want them to be leading and happy and excited about the topic. And why do you find that these partner institutions, these schools and, and other groups are coming to Terraline? You know, what is, why don't they just buy the commercial geospatial imagery themselves. What, what, what do you think you guys bring to the table that's unique here that really 
lends itself well to the project? Sure. So there's three things that that are benefits for our partners. Is Terraline in www.terraline.mil. That's the website, and we have apps in both the Apple Store and Google Play. And it's a very cool-looking brand. That's that's a big draw for a partner. It's just a cool-looking website of the way that it's designed, and the apps look exceptionally cool. So it has a very distinct look and feel from a brand perspective that our partners are interested in publishing. So a lot of them look at it and then reach out through the website just liking the platform, liking the journal, if you will. The other part is we do have, NJ buys a lot of commercial imagery. Uh, And when we have third-party rights, meaning that we can give access to a third party when there's a benefit to us, we we can pay that for them. And that's still a big draw. Right, even in 2023, now the prices have come down, but a federal entity with huge purchasing power can help a smaller entity cover that cost in return for making something valuable for NGA. So that's the imagery part of it. Um, so there's the the imagery, and then there's the kind of the the GeoEnt consulting services that we provide to the to the content. So it's their intellectual property. So there is academic freedoms involved. So NJ doesn't do necessarily editorial control over the content because it's not ours. What we do is we'll provide little like GeoEnt tips and, and tricks to help on more on the methodology side. So we, we stay out of happy versus glad and focus more on the methodology. So an example of that, if someone cites three data points and then and notes a broad trend, we'll say, how about seven data points to point to a trend to bring the sample size up? in your imagery examples. Those are the types of things that happen in the feedback when we're shaping the content. And the content takes a pretty long time to generate. Original research, particularly from imagery, is hard and very labor intensive. Even if we do build artificial intelligence pipelines, you still have to summarize the findings. So the writing part is very, very hefty to do that. So a lot of these articles are in version control in Terraline for months. So just think of it as kind of like a wiki-like thing where the writing just goes on and on and back and forth. And then when everyone's satisfied, that's when it's it's syndicated out to the website and into the apps. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And obviously you want to have, you know, high fidelity that a report is going to be right 100%, you know, accurate and, and wholesome before putting it out there. Well, let's talk a little bit about what the project has been focused on over the past year, particularly, I mean, everyone in the world has been paying attention to the conflict in Ukraine. I know there's several reports that you have on your website um, about Ukraine, but you know, you mentioned how you have to be a little bit selective. How have you tried to kind of carve out a niche there? What have you been focused on in particular in Ukraine? Yeah, so that's a very fast-moving space and a fairly saturated space in, in, with many, many topics. And, and what we do is we try to look for that original value. Now, there could be reporting already kind of out there on the topic, but you can kind of do a subset of it. We just want something new, right? We, again, we just don't want to just pile on the same thing. We want to be unique in, in, in every way possible and, and help our partners be unique in every way possible. So with Ukraine, it's just that topic. It moves really fast. So what we ask our partners to do, and we do this as well, is just keep an eye on the trade space. What is being written on? What conferences are doing the talking? What you know, Twitter accounts to follow? You just have to know that space of what's being published on and to help down-select that unique topic. Uh, and we have had topics that have changed uh, in Ukraine, and we had one that was scooped. So there was uh, uh, the content was being created, and a great piece came out, and they got most of the story. 
they had to go back to the drawing board and make original content again. So again, we're, we're just not going to double down on things that are already out there. So that was an interesting case of uh, a partner getting scooped and having to start not fully over, um, but yeah, they had to just, you know, the, the goal is original content and they had to kind of do it again. As a reporter, I know that feeling all, <laughs> all too well. It is a terrible feeling. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was an interesting case. Anything else on just on Russia, Ukraine that you think is particularly important? Yeah, with the, the content, again, people want to help, right? So we get a lot of Ukraine proposals that are coming in, as, as you can imagine. So it's, it's not ripped from the headlines, but it matters. People want to contribute. A lot of proposals do come in on Ukraine that are Ukraine-based. But again, we just filter them through that internal value and then external value, and we try to draw down the risk of being duplicative to always be original. So you'll see on Terrorline, uh, there's Ukraine economic reporting. There is damage to cultural heritage sites in, in Ukraine. Uh, there was an environmental piece done on the impacts to destruction of coal mines kind of leaking out into the watershed. Those are the types of things that are out there on, on Terrorline now, so that your, your listeners can just hit the the Ukraine category, and then all of the, the Ukraine reporting will be there. And we have a couple in the bullpen now. So there's about four to five that are Ukraine-focused that are in draft now that will be out in the next you know 90 days. Got it. And just really quickly, what's kind of the structure of TerraLine? What's uh, you know your, your organizational kind of construct? Do you have like a lot of editors, a lot of researchers on staff, on contract? How, how, how does it work in practice? Yeah, so we, we, it depends on the topic. So I try to form the best, basically, I call them helpers, the best helper board possible. And it's a team effort. It's not just one. So if it's a Ukraine-based topic, if it's a Ukraine climate topic, we have people that specialize that in the building. And, and Terraline has a pretty big network internally, right, that, that people that want to help or have been on the teams before. So we want to have subject matter experts, and that's really important. But what's also really important is the educated outsider editor or the, the viewer. So it's a team effort. So you have a generalist and kind of, you know, an, an educated outsider. I'll try to identify one to two subject matter experts. And then myself is kind of like editor in chief. I'll provide the overall view of it. So it's a, it's a team sport. So it depends on the topic. There's a large network of helpers at NGA, even at other agencies that want to help with the content. And depending on that, you know, the one sentence topical agreement, I'll go find that editorial team, not editorial control in, in the way that I describe, but I'll just use it for a lack of a better term. That team, I'll go find them. And they're, they're the helpers of the article that, you know, communicate. Uh, generally, uh, we ask them to invite us if they have a Slack channel, like a school has a Slack channel or a Teams channel, invite us to your chat channel. That's where a lot of the conversation will go on for months and months and months, in addition to the version control that goes on in Terraline behind the scenes. So we try to identify a team. Yeah, that seems like such a fascinating development. I guess you're having you know, these IC analysts who typically work in the dark and now contributing to a public-facing project. Uh, in, in concert with these academic and outside teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the jump, particularly with GON, it, because this discipline has been so commercialized, particularly with overhead imagery, and, and it, there's more to things than overhead imagery. There's ground photography. There's you know reporting on the ground, social media, uh, you know analytics that can come to help. But because of the commercialization of the GEOINT business, a lot of our folks are pretty comfortable in that space. A lot of our folks know how to context switch. So it's not this, you know, coming out of the cave, coming out of the secure facility type of thing. And the people that volunteer and like to help with Terraline, they're pretty progressive. You know, they're volunteering to do this. They, they enjoy working 
with students, with the NGO or think tank authors. So they're, they're, they're a pretty good progressive group that, that raised their hand to help. And again, that's Chris Rasmussen, Program Manager for Terraline at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. We're going to take a short break, but we'll pick up the conversation when we come back. I'm Justin Doubleday, and you're listening to Inside the IC on Federal News Network. With the broadest range of breakthrough technology solutions, Microsoft Azure for Government is the choice for classified missions. Built for government agencies and their partners, unlock insights, build new capabilities, and empower collaboration in secret and top-secret environments. Microsoft Azure is built for national security missions, combining cloud-native capability with classified networks, hybrid and multi-cloud, to create a developer-friendly platform that is ready anywhere and secure everywhere. Visit MicrosoftFederal.com. That's MicrosoftFederal.com. Welcome back to Inside the IC on Federal News Network. I'm Justin Doubleday, and I'm speaking with Chris Rasmussen, Program Manager for Terraline at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. You know, the origins of this project actually go back at least seven, eight years. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the origins of this came from this thing called GeoInt Pathfinder. And what GeoInt Pathfinder was, was around 2014 and 15, there was a concern from the leadership at NGA, the director at the time, and even on the director of national intelligence side of the, when you were looking at the very aggressive kind of small satellite launch schedule of all the, the, the assets that are going to be pumped into space. And the question was, what is NGA's value proposition in this new environment? So Pathfinder was set up to do everything 100% unclassified and to make recommendations to the agency uh, as kind of the government monopoly in space declined, right, is what are we going to do? So Terraline came out of that. The application was built to deliver content around the clock outside the secure facility. So that's where it was designed and built. Pathfinder did other things from you know how to do you know, a commercial Wi-Fi things inside of a secure facility. It had huge impacts on our classification guide. I was involved in the rewrite effort there. So kind of the tips and tricks from Pathfinder helped downgrade and declassify hundreds of items in the classification guide because that needed a rewrite. A lot of it assumed the technology landscape of the 1980s, and it needed to be rewritten for commercial imagery, people taking pictures on the ground, and just a much more saturated open source space. And so the tricks in Pathfinder helped with that rewrite of those guys. So that's behind the scenes, like stuff that people don't see, but that has also had an impact on Terraline and comfort levels and how to do it and do it safely. But the actual application, the platform came out of Pathfinder. And in the intervening years, because Pathfinder, as you mentioned, was back 2014, 2015, how did Project Terraline kind of come into being where it's now, you know, churning out these reports on Russia, Ukraine, China's economy, China's military, a whole range of issues if, if folks go to the website. But how, how did it kind of come into being over these last few years? Well, it's a true startup story in, in every sense of the term. It, it was a pretty radical idea um, to do, um, you know, partnered public facing content under this type of sponsored brand. We came out of the gate really, really strong with a piece on North Korea. Uh, people were really surprised about the quality of the piece 
and just again it just looks cool on the phone it's designed with a mobile first philosophy airline so you know outside of a secure facility people are just looking at their phones the desktop is secondary so it's maximized for a phone and it just looks really cool so we came out of the gate really really strong with this first piece in North Korea and it was kind of amplified on the stage at the Geoint symposium which is a big you know Geoint and Intel conference that's out there so it started out with a bang but it's just it's just grown word of mouth as people are are you know seeing the the articles they you know they contact us through the website and are proposing topics so it's just it's just a startup that has grown in clout and it's a thing now but it wasn't a thing in 2018 you know we had one article on the site for a couple of months and then you know you pick up speed and as it gets more popular you know again the more popular it becomes the more partners the more content that you that you have got it and and you know so it's it's clearly been a product of of the moment in a number of different ways but it was kind of envisioned and, and anticipated that way coming out of the Pathfinder project and taking advantage of everything that's available through commercial satellite imagery and online is there anything about the project that you know you didn't anticipate that has surprised you about the direction that it's taken or or anything along those lines yeah i think the the biggest lesson so you mentioned the the osent foundation so i'll talk about osent in general is and we talked about this with how long their inversion control and how much labor that it takes so while there is a ton of data that's coming in osent is just more than a collection discipline or tools right so you have those and th- those are part of your project but the, doing original research is very labor intensive and particularly the writing part and the output while visualization software is growing and and and, and data feeds are growing the written word is still the primary way that the educated outsider or anyone can read and understand value. So that writing, the infographics that are created, that takes an incredible amount of time. So OSINT in in some circles tends to be very tools and collection focused, but there has to be an output part for it to be holistic. And I think Terline's success on the qualitative impact side and the quantitative side is the careful measure that's given to the output. and then the very specific design particularly mobile delivery of what makes it unique. So the amount of labor involved to create one of these things is tremendous. We've had, you know, artificial intelligence and neural nets made and Terline articles have summarized machine learning chugging on massive volumes of data. But once you have those findings, how are you going to convey them? Right? So the journal article, if you will, is not going to be replaced anytime soon. And in fact, unstructured text is actually risen as video and other options have come into play. There's more unstructured text. So if you just look at your Facebook feed of video, what do you see streaming across the bottom of the video? More text, more text. So that's been surprising is there has to be a focus on the output side and then just in the in very labor intensive process to create quality OSINT or open GUNT. There's a lot of labor involved. got it that's no it's a really interesting finding and i mean you know chat gpt is kind of coming for us all right but no i, I mean it, it's interesting that that idea of conveying the findings is still a very labor human based process right and i think one thing the osent foundation focuses on a lot is training and education in that field and i'm wondering do you have any thoughts on how that needs to evolve or or develop or, or move forward as osent really becomes a big focus for the intelligence community that's a big part so you know students in particular their exposure to this process um some of them have applied to jobs at NGA and in within in the IC just based upon the fun and experience that they had uh in Terline a, a funny story about that so the nonprofit space where Terline is is partners with is a huge space so that goes from undergrad to think tankers 
postdocs. I mean, people that haven't been in college in a very, very long time. And I get these pretty uh, interesting notes from, you know, the deans of the schools that love it. We're very hard on, on the students in a good way. And they're like, look, you're, you're doing more than we can ever teach here. And there's kind of a baptism by fire and really diving into it. So these kind of notes of how difficult it is, because again, these, there's a 20-year-old author mixing in with somebody from the Rand Corporation in Terline in that brand. But with the OSINT Foundation and just the overall professionalization of OSINT that is starting to happen and it needs to pick up speed. So as far as it's the only int that's not really professionalized in the sense of it has a journal, there's you know big conferences, there's certain standards that are met in certification levels, and that's starting to happen now, right? So that's what's really cool about this. And, and again, Terline in that space showing the output quality that can happen, that's very, very consumable, is helping with that. So that's kind of a, a cool thing to be involved with, just upping the game with OSIN across the board. And, and that's, that's, that's a goal, which is a, is a very, very noble goal. Got it. And, you know, what, what kind of data does Terraline rely on? We've talked about that with commercial satellite data, but can we dive into that a little bit more? What's, what's really crucial here in terms of feeding the project from a data perspective? What most folks want is access to high-quality electro-optical imagery, right? So basically like your Maxars, right? So where you can do literal imagery interpretation. You don't have to do computer vision. You don't have to code against it. You can look down and you can see a bunch of stuff, right? Whether that's military equipment, that's environmental damage, whether that's crop yields. There's a drag and drop to literal imagery that you can get on board and do a good job fairly quickly, right? So a lot of our partners are looking for that, right? That, that, that access to that for a federal benefit that, that Terraline does. So that's, that's probably the biggest draw. There's newer vendors that are coming into the space, like the commercial um, radar firms that are coming in. But again, what we have found in, with, in Terraline is the imagery gets more non-literal, meaning you just can't look at it and see tanks or a, a cow field or whatever. The technical talent of the team has to go up, right? So when you see articles in Terraline where some of, the, some of the authors had to create these huge change detection services in like Google Earth Engine, that's not literal imagery interpretation. That's a system chugging on thousands of pieces of public radar imagery to look at trends over time. So the, the newer vendors like Hawkeye 360, the, the radio frequency stuff, that's just not as drag and drop. You're going to have to have a little more technical talent. So that's what we've seen. The more non-literal, the more technical talent the team has to have that's creating the content. Has it been a challenge to find that technical talent? Do you have to develop it? on your own in some cases, how has that worked? So on the mentoring side, uh, so we do have some folks that are very, very good at this, but a lot of people that are coming to us are coming to us with that team kind of already assembled or they know their limitations. So some of the think tanks don't have this yet. They're very, very good. Uh, they speak the language of the country that they're, they're analyzing and they're, they're very good literal imagery analysts, but they might not have a Python coder to build this thing, to, to make a change detection service. But NGA does assist with that. So again, the helpers that we have behind the curtain, we have people that are awesome, say with Google Earth Engine, that's this massive you know, planetary level change detection thing that's used a lot in academia. We have people that can help with tips with that to create those services together to get a quality output. The teams are coming to us with decent bench strength, but we can assist as well. Got it. Just a, a big picture question. We've talked about this a bit, but what, what do you think Terraline's value is to kind of the IC, you know, kind of being this external facing, external producing 
entity. What do you think the big value here is to the intelligence community? It's been highly usable content internally. So it's been cited in official products at the agency. It has been the basis of further projects within the agency. There's huge working groups throughout the community. So the Treasury Department likes the content. They put it in their email distribution list to their working groups. Our human rights abuse content that we did with the, the Uyghurs in Western China, that was put into a social media campaign with the State Department. Multiple you know, Twitter accounts, official accounts are getting out that message. So internally, it has citation and in, in, in internal value. Um, and, and then externally, it's also a brand that's increased in the national security re- reporting space. So Terraline articles on the Arctic and things like that have been cited in the New York Times, the Drive, Defense One, foreign policy. So kind of the foreign policy national security space, people are very aware of the Terraline content. So it's been a powerful content generation system internally for citation and usage, but also kind of a brand on the external side as well. So both. And any lessons that you think the broader intelligence community could use just about using OSINT? There's so much debate around just the use of OSINT, the definition of OSINT. What's what's your take on that? Well, back to the original labor question. I think that's an inflection point that the community is going to have to have. While investments in technology are absolutely essential, but a, a more holistic OSINT program involves more labor. And the conversation about OSINT in general, about a journal article a week coming about about these types of things, about the changes that are coming with this. And that's an inflection point on labor of where the content is going to be produced. What job titles are we going to create? What job specialties are we going to create? What recruitment are we doing? Are we going to hire for open data scientists that just specialize in that? So there's an inflection point that's happening now through all of those things from an HR perspective, recruitment perspective, from an IT perspective. Those are kind of all in flux right now because of the deluge of and the flood of data that's coming in outside of a secure facility. That's the conversation that's picking up traction across the board. And, and Terraline gets to swim in that stream, which is pretty cool to be a successful example in that space. All right. Anything forward looking here? What, what's coming up down the pipeline? You mentioned you have several reports on Russia, Ukraine that are currently in draft. What should we be looking out for here over the next year from Terraline? It's very, very broad, and the partnership behind the curtain in the bullpen is, is huge. We have like you know 10 or 15 projects in draft at this time, so look for those, and it, it runs the gamut. We have at least five that are focused on climate activity specifically. That is a huge topic that, again, you mentioned Ukraine that people come to us with. Climate topics are big within university circles, as you can imagine, because people want to help. So there, there are projects in draft on looking at crop yields in Guyana. There's another one looking at heat patterns and how that impacts refugee movement uh, within refugee camps around the world. How does heat and climate change impact those? Uh, there's pieces on climate change in the Arctic. Several of those are, uh, will be coming out very, very shortly, looking at the impacts of permafrost that has on facilities in the Arctic. It's getting colder and colder, and the runway keeps breaking and breaking, you just sit there and start counting all the little bricks they're putting back and how many times they do that. And that's starting to increase more and more and more. So it kind of, you know, climate and then traditional kind of Arctic facilities analysis that'll be coming out uh, in the pipeline very, very soon. Yeah, that's fascinating. All right. Well, we'll definitely some things to look out for here across a range of topics. Uh, again, my guest today has been Chris Rasmussen, the program manager for Terraline at NGA. Chris, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal. 
You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Inside the IC on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your shows.